Hello and welcome to an Hour from Torah podcast, the podcast that brings you the people and personalities of the College of St. Scholastica. Uh, here with another episode today. I, again, someone, we're going to get into a lot of fun stuff today. I, hopefully there's some surprises. Sounds like on both sides, but um, with Brenda Fisher, and I'm going to let Brenda say what she does because she has the largest business card of anybody on campus. So Brenda, your title. Well, Nate, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Brenda Fisher. I am the Dean in the Stender School of Leadership, Business, and Professional Studies. And as you said, it's very difficult to get that on a name tag or any sort of business card. Yeah, that's right. Or if you do, it's just really hard to have it fit in your pocket. Let's exactly. just put it that way. So, um, But great. Thanks for being here. So looking forward to this. So I, as we do with all every podcast that we have, um, we always start off with, like, how did you end up sitting here on the podcast today? So what brought you to St. Scholastica? What's your journey? So I grew up in Hinkley, small town, Minnesota, um, and I originally got my degree in elementary education, and I started out as an elementary, actually a second grade teacher, in Willow River, Minnesota, which is the ultimate small town as well. And I was only going to go there for one year so I could get some experience. And so I went there and ended up marrying the other second grade teacher. (laughs) So at that time, you either had Mr. Fisher or Mrs. Fisher, or you had to open and roll. So um, I ended up staying in Willow River longer than I thought I would, and... Uh, My husband and I both decided to get our master's degree at the same time. We had our first son the first year of our master's program. We had our second son the second year of our master's program. And then um, he went on to become an administrator, and I thought, well, I'm going to take a little time off to be a stay-at-home mom. And at the exact same time I made that decision, um, the St. Mary's University is where I got my master's. They said, hey, would you like to come and do some teaching for us? And the timing was perfect because I could be a stay-at-home mom during the day, and then one weekend a month I was teaching, so I got to use my brain a little bit, Mm -hmm. and so it was the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a while, and I thought, I I love teaching teachers, so Mm -hmm. if I'm going to stay in this role, I probably should get my doctorate. So I went and did that, and at that time then started teaching undergrads. And lo and behold, I loved teaching undergrads. And so just as I was completing my doctorate, a position, a tenure track position opened up here. And it just felt like, you know, the the clouds parted and this is where I was supposed to be. So yeah. I started here as an education faculty in um, 2011. So that's, that's how I got here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a, from a second grade teacher to teaching 22-year-olds, tell me about the, the similarities and the differences of doing that. Uh, there's a lot of similarities in so much as I think, you know, the art of teaching is helping students be their best. And whether they're eight years old and they're trying to read or whether this, they're freshmen in college or, you know, I've, I've done a lot of teaching teachers, everyone is doing their best and wants to get somewhere else. And I think helping people on that journey is what's similar about it. Um, the differences, of course, um, are you know the content and what you're focusing on but all students just they just need someone to take them from where they're at to listen to their questions to not answer questions for them but to help them find the answers mm-hmm. and so there there are a lot of similarities yeah yeah and the differences probably speak for themselves yeah like you said but so you know I I want to you you are married to the other second grade teacher now that doesn't happen often I no. don't think districts right how, how is that dynamic of both of you 
you know, like, I, I don't know. I, how did that work? Like, I, I would imagine there had to have been probably some advantages where you could plan and things, but mm-hmm. then, I don't know, like, how do, you, how do you get away from it all, too? Yes. And luckily, you know, in, when you're dating and you're first married, you want to spend all your time together, which yeah. is good because yeah. we did. Um, and when we first started dating, it was sort of like, you know, we had to keep it quiet from these eight-year-olds because yeah. they would giggle and think it was hilarious. But um, it, it was one of my favorite times of teaching just because we we were all in. You know, we, we coached, we refed, my husband did the yearbook, we sold tickets. It mm. was just our, our life was really... Um, just being a part of that school at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one step further, um, my husband eventually became a principal, and then he was my principal. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then that got a little, you know, tricky, like, who's really in charge yeah, here? Right. So, yeah, that had some moments, too. Well, it was nice of you to let him feel like he was in control at yes. school mm-hmm. when you were in control of everything else, really, right? Exactly, Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, to talk about over the arc of your career, because one, of, my, my wife's an educator as well, and was away from the classroom actually for about almost twenty years. Went back this year for the first time in nearly twenty years. Stay at home mom, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. Um, not that that's not work. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. too. But um, how how have kids changed, and how have you it, it, think about teaching education? How has that had to change to meet with how kids are different? Or, and has it changed? I'd yeah. imagine it has, but maybe maybe it hasn't. That's a great question. I think it's one that we've all been talking a lot about, maybe more so since the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I think that I think lots of things have not changed. I think students need to be loved and cared for, and have safe places to be and have safe boundaries um, to help them grow. I think that as the world changes, though, those those boundaries shift a little bit yeah. and, and sometimes parents and adults adults aren't quite sure, you know, how do we shift to make sure that we're providing um, the support and the boundaries and um, the experiences at the right time for children so that they can thrive without making life so easy for them that they don't have to, you know, figure out some, some ways to cope with things along the way. Yeah. I wonder how technology too, you know, I watch just how how young people consume stuff now, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, we're going through this right now as we prepare to to transition and move up here where it's we still have like the big Rubbermaid tote of Brio track, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine and all yes. those kinds of things, right? Um, but now, right, it's always that screen and YouTube and, mm-hmm. you know, even in my wife's third grade classroom, like the kids know this stuff on and watch these videos on YouTube at nauseum. Like mm-hmm. how, how has technology helped? And I want to get off of education. I know it's just not education that you work on, but how, does, how, has that, how has that helped education and how has it, do you think, hurt education? I think it's, I think both of those are true. I think it's helped and it just brings the world, you know, to everyone regardless of where they're at. And there's just access to being able to see and be a part of things that you could just probably have never imagined before. And I think that's certainly a strength that we have now. I think a concern is is not letting it become all of that And, and having children and students interact with the real world around them um i'm i'm a big fan of you know being outside and and doing things in nature with one another and i think it's easy i i know it's easy for for children to and teenagers and adults to just you know even though you're outside with your friends you're still on that device and i think that takes away from some of those experiences and i think it can happen 
without people realizing it. You know, yeah. all of a sudden you, you you're you intended to do one thing and you end up in a room sitting with other people on your phones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. That's one of the things I think with my wife, the biggest thing, she stayed up to date. She got her master's degree and stuff, so she knew about some of the classroom technology that was available, but how distracted Mm -hmm. even third graders are with devices. How many of them Mm -hmm. have devices? I mean, in our family, the the kids didn't get their first smartphone until they were in high school, Mm -hmm. you know, so just a, a totally different world in that regard, but... So your path to administration, so you said your husband kind of went on that administrative path, mm-hmm. you know, tenure track position here, but now you're a dean of, you know, all things, you know, education, business, stender, all of those things you talked about, mm-hmm. right? What, 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 when would that transition happen to you? What did you think, I'm going to do more of the administrative piece? You know, when I was, when I first went into higher ed and I was teaching as an adjunct for um, this master's program. Um, I, I taught as an adjunct for a number of years, and then all of a sudden I was asked if I would be the associate director for this, this master's program, and I thought, well, sure. I didn't feel like I was ready to do it. I, I wasn't quite sure what I was getting myself into, but I really enjoyed that piece, and I, I didn't know that I, I would. Um, but I was excited to get back into the classroom. I loved teaching um, education courses here, and then uh, we had a department chair at the time who was going on sabbatical. And so the dean at the time came and asked me if I would fill in, and I said no. And then she came back and said, well, are you sure? And I said, well, fine. I'll do it for one semester. That's it. Yeah. And as these things go, I ended up doing it for a number of years because um, the person who went on sabbatical ended up you know, leaving, and, yeah. and so I was doing that work, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. At that time, I was still doing mostly teaching, but I, but I had this administrative arm to my work as well. And, and I enjoyed it. I, it was challenging in a new way. And then our dean at the time retired, and I thought, well, I, you know, I suppose I could do that. Yeah. And so I applied for that position. And at the time, it was just the dean of the School of Education. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. Um, which was a great way for me to begin that work because it was a much smaller department. I was familiar with all the players. I was familiar with the accrediting processes. Everything was, nothing was very new. Um, And then right before the pandemic, social work joined education. And that was unique in that there were some folks in the social work department I had never met face to face. And so during the pandemic, I was meeting and greeting and welcoming all of these social work faculty and staff. And I loved that. And I realized that even though I, I didn't know much about social work, the administrative pieces required to manage that department were the same as they were for education. Huh. Um, it was a different accrediting body, but it's still accreditation. Yeah. And then, you know, very recently last summer, uh, there was a combination of education and social work and the former Stender School of Business yes. and Technology. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I was fully ready for that either, but... Um, <laughs> But for all the reasons I said, it you know it's it's easy to see how all of these programs work together when we're educating students. Yeah. You know, we have students in some of our business programs that want to take courses that come out of our social work or our education yeah. department. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that I've loved most about all of those pieces coming together is we have so many amazing people on this campus. And even though I had walked by some of these faculty and staff in accounting and 
um, CIS for years, and I could say hi and have a short conversation. When I learn about what they do, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. And so that's been a privilege for me to really expand um, the group of colleagues I get to work with every day. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you about that because, you know, with your background in education, I'd imagine that, you know, being the dean of a school of education, it, yeah, very comfortable. And, yeah. you know, you'd learn, administrate. I mean, yes. you've learned a ton about administrative work when you get into it. But, I, and maybe it's just my impression, but maybe a, an educator with a social worker are wound a little bit more the same way than an accountant. Um, in yes. my observation, right, you yeah. working with faculty, they're very different. Mm-hmm. How have you managed just those different personalities now yeah. with the school being such a wide variety of different majors? That's a great question. And I think one of the best things that I did in each of these transitions was I reached out to every faculty and staff and said, hey, I want to meet with you for 30 minutes. Um, and basically I asked them all the same thing, like, um, tell me a little bit about what you do. Tell me about what's working really well. Tell me about some stumbling blocks. And then what should I know in this new role? And I took so many notes. Yeah. And it helped me learn a lot about the programs, but it also helped me learn about all of the personalities that make up those programs. And you know this. every It's, again, like teaching second grade. You have to, to um, work with all the students in the way that works best for them. Yeah. And so I think that's been a key to me feeling like I'm making progress with all of these folks is just knowing a little bit about how they work and how they want um, how they want to work together. And that does look different yeah. for, for different people. Yeah, I bet it does. And that's a good administrator, I think, of understanding because everybody is motivated by different mm-hmm. things, is, you know, uh, um, expectations are different, like you said, accrediting yeah. all of those. So that's good. Um, I, I'm just curious, you know, being somebody, we're, we're around the same vintage. I'm not going to ask yes. age, but we're around the same vintage. Um you know, tr- very traditional education at that time, right? And now online education, public schools, private schools, homeschooling, all of those things. Mm-hmm. What's your observation on those things? Like they co- even even now at the college, right, a lot of mm-hmm. online courses. I mean, I think it's so second nature now. I mean, somebody who's, you know, 18, like, or, or young, like our son yeah. would be like, sons would be like, what are you talking about? Like it's always been this way. But I, what what do you how, how have you seen education educating people change in that regard across the lifespan? I think you're right. I think we take it a little bit for granted now. And luckily, Saint Scholastica was really early um, getting into the online and distance education mm-hmm. game. So mm-hmm. I think we've done things well, perhaps before some of our our peer institutions have. Yeah. But I. I was a little leery. I'm, you know, I'm very much a relationship-driven uh-huh. teacher, yeah. um, and I was, I was kind of thinking, how do you, how do you build relationships? Yeah. You know, when you only yeah. ever see one another on a screen. Yeah. And I taught uh, early when I was here. I taught in our fully online masters in education program, and I was nervous about that. And so what I did at the time, and we've come a long way since then, is I did a, so much video, mm-hmm. like just short clips of video I never watched them back because I always told myself if they were in my classroom face to face like you get what you get and if I misspeak then that's what you get um but what I found is you know students they want to know 
about you. They want to build community just really as much as you do as an instructor. And yeah. so I think that that desire to, to go beyond, you know, reading and writing a post is, is what students are looking for, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think being authentic yeah. online yeah. Um, really comes out and it helps help students feel like they're a part of something. I still think there are some things, especially when we're teaching students who are going to be, you know, teaching other students or working in social work positions where they're working face-to-face with students, that if possible, if we can still do some of that in a face-to-face setting, it's best. But I've also seen programs that, you know, we're figuring out ways to do it um, that actually have those skills that people can translate into all sorts of different opportunities depending on where they end up. Yeah. That's good. So one of the things we share in common is kind of a, a growing up in <clears throat> background in 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 uh, and raising families in small towns. Mm-hmm. So you talked about kind of that all in where you show up and you're doing you know tickets and refing and mm-hmm. I mean you just do what you're asked to. So um, but you're also you're also a sports mom as well. Yes. Tell me about your sports mom personality. Is it different than the Brenda that you see on a day to day basis where you you know, you always hear the hockey moms or those kinds of things. Talk to me a bit about what that looked like. Yeah. Well, to clarify, I am a basketball mom. All right. <laughs> uh, mostly a baseball mom in there too, but I'm you're, really a basketball mom. You're smart. And you want to be inside where it's in, exactly. in a warm building. Yeah. You got it. I know <laughs> uh, both my husband and I were basketball players and our, our children just didn't get skates when they were three or four years yeah. old. Um, so we sort of managed that path. That's blasphemy in Minnesota. I know. I know. Don't. <laughs> Don't tell Ryan. Um, but I'm, I love nothing, loved nothing more than being a, a basketball mom. Yeah. I, I love the game. I love the lessons that athletics provide students and children. And um, I'm a very competitive person. And so at times I have to like sort of temper that a little bit because, you know, in the heat of the moment, um, I am, I am into the game and I, I'd like to win always. Uh, And if you, if you're ever at the Fisher house, when all three of my boys are home and my husband, we can turn anything, anything competitive. Um, So there's a, there's a little competitive gene in our family. I could kind of sense that. (laughs) And that's why I asked, was that, was that, Challenge a challenging dynamic for you and your husband again holding a very prominent role in a small town because mm-hmm. you know again what principal superintendent those kinds of things like in a small town especially like everybody knows your stuff mm-hmm. um, was it challenging for you and your husband to manage was it challenging for your kids to manage what was that dynamic yes I think you know in a small town um, in my husband's a superintendent in Esco now and the school is one of the only real businesses in the community. Yeah. So uh, everyone knows what, what goes on at the school. And I think, um, so for my children, they, they always had their dad as either a principal or a superintendent in the school district they were in. Yeah. And I think, I think we tried to manage expectations like, you know, um, Sometimes you're going to hear people complain about the principal, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Get over it. And they were, they were fine with it. Yeah. But I do think, um, you know, you're under a microscope. Yeah. But I also think as a student athlete, you're sometimes under the microscope right, too. Right. And so I think that there are a lot of lessons learned about, you know, you need to put yourself out there in a way that you want to, um, you want the community to see you. Yeah. And you, you want to be a leader. And that leadership needs to look... Like you're positive and, you know, uh, 
So I think there's a little extra pressure, but I also think it, it helps kids figure out that, you know, I'm representing me, but I'm also representing my family and my community, and I want that to look the best it can look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a big aspect of that. Yeah. So it's a it's a um, Saturday youth tournament weekend in ESCO. Yeah. What's the go-to in the concession stand? Okay, this, this is maybe this seems crazy to me. You know, like they're like 18 inch freezy pops. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. In it the middle freak. of winter, really, our concession stand always had them, and I thought they were the craziest thing. They we sell out of them every single time. That was the money maker. That was the money maker. Now you needed like four sticky scissors always because you had to cut <laughs> the tops off, and the kids, you know. It's, their parents probably weren't very happy because yeah. it's dripping down their shirt and their yeah. arms. But yeah. that was, for, for little kids, that was the go-to. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, mm -hmm. in Howard's Grove, which is the small town where my kids grew up in, it was torts. So each each team would, would have a weekend where we'd provide the torts. So it was an Oreo tort, a oh. like a blueberry tort, a cherry tort. So nice. again, maybe we have to post the the recipes with yes. the with well, freezer pops pretty easy, but the tort recipes. But very yeah, I mean all everything that's yeah. bad for you: graham cracker and butter crust and oh, you know cream yeah. cheese and whipped cream and all that kind of stuff. You know, maybe that's our million dollar idea. The concession stand cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen this yet. Yeah. It might be. It might be. <laughs> Who has the best popcorn in the conference? Ooh. Oh, it's that perfect, like, salt um, yes. balance. Yes. Boy, I'm... Uh, okay, anything at UMD. So okay. we, we usually play tournaments at UMD. Okay. And they have good popcorn, but what they really have is they bring in famous Daves uh, to uh -huh. do. They do like these nachos with um, pulled pork, pork on. Yes, yeah. that alone is worth going to a game, even if you're not interested yeah. in watching it. Mm -hmm. We were just at the Wild game, our first NHL game this weekend, and they had um, buffalo chicken uh, fries, and it was so like so pull. It was good yeah. too. I mean, I, I don't know anything you put yeah. that kind of stuff on and. Anything deep fried is, it. is cool, so that's good. Um, we talked too about we happened to be at a at a, a college function, so mm -hmm. like a dinner party, and you probably have been to more events and activities and uh, um, uh, what's end of the year um, banquets and those mm -hmm. kinds of things than you can count. Uh, we were just reminiscing a, a little bit about like you know you shake a lot of hands and this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. What's the best banquet oh. fair you can have and what's the like when you see it it's like you 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 smiling because you're just happy to be there and you need to be happy to be there but you're like oh i gotta eat another one like i gotta eat another dry chicken breast again or like what, what's what's the good what's on both sides of those equations oh wow um that's a great question i, I really love any of those kinds of events where i, I guess where there's it's not a lot of sit down you know, and you're uh -huh. you're sort of stuck there, where you can mingle uh -huh. with with folks and stop for a little while, have a conversation, the next, the next, and and I introduce you to one person, and that per in person introduces me to the next person. I like that that networking piece yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan of like I shouldn't say this, but banquets where you you just you end up sitting in the same place for three hours yeah. listening to a multitude of speeches, even yeah. if they're wonderful speeches. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like the ability to to visit with a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, 
when you're in a setting like that. I think when you're in a small town, you're just you, yeah. it, it's just fun to see everybody. Right. right? Everybody comes yep. out. Those games are like you say the, the only business in town. So the center yeah. event. I said if you wanted to rob, you know, any oh, small sure. town, you go on a, a home basketball football night, mm-hmm. you know, band concert, whatever it is, right? Whatever kids are involved Absolutely. in, because the whole town shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. And I have to ask too now. I might get. I might. This might be something you're like, oh gosh, you got to edit it out because today's not a good day. <laughs> But I have to. You have the best hair in town. Oh, yeah. You you really do. And this is coming from a guy who had a perm for a lot of years. So maybe I need to. I, maybe I need to post a picture of me with a perm along with our picture today. But I, I, tell me about like has has have you always gotten complimented on it? Was it like back in the vintage like the eighties yeah. things? Was it like? Typical '80s hair. Yeah. Like, you just have I had hair. great '80s hair. You did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. The Aquanet. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know the look. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you. First of all, that's very, very kind of you. So, I will tell you that my life as an administrator um, has brought with it a lot of gray hair. Yeah. So yeah, there's that piece too that you don't always come on. <laughs> I'm amazed too. Like my wife, she just started now. She had she she's going more to her natural color. So there's some gray in there too, but. I didn't realize until she said she was making the transition, like how much it was to maintain. Yes. Um, like it's best for me not to ask. Like you know, <laughs> me, my days, hair days are long gone. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of work. I'd like to see the Nate perm hair. I will post a picture yes, with our do. picture. I will because <laughs> I, I don't share it often. But I was just looking. I because I, I was thinking about this the other. I was talking with Jill Larson, our CFO, mm-hmm. about, and I showed her a picture of my my old wrestling picture, full oh. on perm. I shouldn't probably say that she has it because it'll probably show up somewhere. But um, <laughs> but she was saying, like, where did you get that done? And I said, Bonnie's His and Her Dues. That was the mm-hmm. name of the place in Cleveland, Wisconsin. And I looked it up the other day. It's still there. So I probably have to go see Bonnie and say, For sure. I think the chemicals did something to my <laughs> head. But, yeah, but it's all gone. So, anyway, I had to ask about that, too. So oh, I'm going to transition. We've been, I've been peppering you for about a little about a half hour here. But we saw, And I, you said earlier today, I've got some mm-hmm. good questions for you, Nate. So I'm really anxious to hear what you have for me so i have listened i think to almost every hour from tower podcast and so i don't think these questions have been asked Mm. so are you ready i'm ready okay (laughs) early bird or night owl what are you can i say a little bit of both um i I guess if, if you're forcing me to pick one I would say probably more early. I feel like I can get more things done early when the house is quiet or get to work before the meetings start. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a I have a thing where, and my wife would laugh because we were just talking about this last night. She had to like you know punch me about four or five times because when I fall asleep and I'm into deep sleep, like I don't know what it sounds come out of me, but it's it, but I'm but I'm sleeping. So, but I have a hard time turning my brain off. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me up late, and then as soon as I wake up. I can't turn it off, <laughs> so I'm up early, yeah. and then I can't go back to sleep. So it's a little bit of both, but I think that early morning stuff, and that goes back to I think growing up working on family farms. You know, mm-hmm. we'd be up by, you know, five o'clock in the morning, and um, so getting up early has never been a problem for me. So okay. yeah, early is early is good. This next question might be the hardest one uh-huh. that you have gotten. <laughs> Looking around your office, I uh-huh. think we all know that you are a diehard Packer fan. Yes. Yes. But you are forced to cheer for either the Minnesota Vikings or the Chicago Bears. Ugh. Who do you pick? Ugh. This is, 
It's not the hardest question. It's the worst <laughs> question. My, the, the hardest would be it's hard to answer. My answer would be neither. Like, I didn't even know they still played football in Minnesota and Chicago. <laughs> but, um, ugh. Well, um, sometimes we wonder that, too, actually. Yeah, I know. I know. Fan. It's good. I've been getting grief about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets mm-hmm. and, you know, Jordan Love. And I'm like, I, I forgot what I had said, but somebody like, well, Minnesota is still, on average, finished second or worse than the Packers. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um Oh, if I have to pick one. You have to pick. Oh, gosh. I I would say, and again, it hasn't been recently because of the fact that they haven't been good, but the, the Chicago-Green Bay or Chicago-Wisconsin rivalry, being an mm-hmm. old Wisconsinite, is really, really strong. So I would... Ah, it pains me even... I can't even get it out of my... I can't even say it. I think that I would probably not cheer... I would not cheer for the Bears, but I can't say that I can't say the words. I can't say what you want me to say, which is I would cheer for. I can't say it. See, I was hoping you would, and then I could just take that little no. piece out. And see, okay, I'm, I'm see, smart I tried. As, You're too smart, smart enough with You're that. Too smart. You know, and, and I think, um, I you know, being a sports person. I mean, you know, being a sports fan too. Like you know, we were just talking about the tournament before we started too, and you have these allegiant teams and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But I'm the 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 older I get, the Packers will always be my pack. I mean Packers, Badgers, Bucks, I mean all Wisconsin teams will be where I'm where my kind of my heart is professionally. But I could show up to a to an Esco Proctor mm-hmm. game and sit and just enjoy the mm-hmm. competition, right? Especially now having played and reflecting back and not having um I think this strong desire for my kids to have experiences like I had, yeah. <laughs> like now that that's we're in our last season of our lives as it relates mm-hmm. to our kids with my son's baseball season, and I think just going and watching and and um, and appreciating people working hard and putting themselves out there, and especially young people that become conscious about you know how they look and how they play, and mm-hmm. it's so much a big part of their identity. The fact that they do it and they do it for their towns and and watching how the towns come out like for me that all of that like I just I just love I just love sport and speaking yeah. of the question you asked too like 30 for 30s on ESPN mm-hmm. are like some of the best pieces of documentaries ever done and you know one of my favorites is the 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 one about the 85 uh Chicago Bears mm-hmm. and like not a Bears fan whatsoever. I can muster up enough respect for Walter Payton, and that's it. Um, but respecting that dynamics of coaches, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, coaches meant a lot in my life. And as a person who grew up in a single parent family and dad wasn't around, you know, a lot of a lot of those coaches for me, a lot of the men that were coaches for me were that was that father figure for me and taught me an awful lot about how to be a good man and how to be respectful and and those kinds of things. So. You know, just watching those players talk about Buddy Ryan and, mm-hmm. and sports. So I know that's I'm trying to deflect from having that you getting me getting me to say those words out of my mouth, but that's a wonderful, tough question for somebody who would actually just say, I would just rather there not be a Chicago football team <laughs> or a Minnesota football team. <laughs> you know, you do bring up that importance of coaches in um, in your life and, and I certainly have um, coaches who had a tremendous impact on my life. I, I lost my dad um, to a heart attack very unexpectedly when I was 15, mm. and I played a lot of sports, and it was a really difficult time for me. You know, that was a real part of of my identity was, was as an athlete, but my dad had, was the athletic director, and he was always a part of that. And so, you know, to look up in the stands and not have him there was, mm-hmm. was really um, very difficult. And 
one of my um, one of the people that really had a huge impact on me at that time was Pat, my basketball coach Pat Riley. Not the same Pat Riley that, that you're perhaps <laughs> like, thinking of. Wow, we're yeah, talking about right? that. Um, but and I I have since you know many years later told him what an impact he had. I don't think he realized it at the time, but but he did in, in a really difficult time for me. Um, so much so that our last son's name is Riley, oh, wow. um, partially due to, to that really special connection. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's you know it's it, you can dove you can dovetail that though into I think motivating you as as an administrator and as as a leader in areas right sometimes it's just a matter of showing up yeah. <laughs> right being present and bring it being attentive because you know i again i've been fortunate enough again to be around kids games i, I do a lot of announcing so sit at the scores table mm-hmm. for basketball you just you know again announce my last game with one of my kids playing in it i hope to do more but um but I, I told Barbara McDonald, our president here, you know, this year has been that year of back and forth for me, and she's mm-hmm. made it really flexible for me to have some time at home so that I can get to these games. And I told her after the first game, you know, my son during warm-ups, he looked over at one point, and we made eye contact, mm-hmm. like just me being there. And they came over and, you know, mm-hmm. knuckles before the game, and he did that before every game. Like having those little moments, you know, um, so... I think, but that, but that presence, being present and attentive, I think, works well mm-hmm. from from when you're leading people. They just want to know that you're, yeah. you know, that you're there. They don't always say it. It's not always something that's, you know, broadcast on a billboard, but it matters. So, and I yeah. think that's a great point. And you're there. You're there to support them mm-hmm. if they win, and you're there to support them if if they lose. And yeah. you know, as an administrator, we're here to support our people. Right. We want. To give them everything they need to yep. be successful and yep. celebrate them and with them yep. when they are, yep. and give them a safe place to land. That's if, right. If it doesn't quite go yeah, as right. planned, and I think that that's that is a, a really a parallel to, to the coaching world. Yeah, it is. Two more questions. I'll make oh them my quick. Gosh, let's hope that they're favorite, not as tough as those no, other ones. Favorite eighties yeah. band, and I know that you're an eighties guy. So. Yeah, there's so many. So, and it, it you know, I. I would. I don't know if you can count them as '80s. One of my favorites of all time is Metallica. <laughs> yes, we're gonna let that go. Yes. Yeah, I yes. know. It's a little. That's that would be my that the heavy extreme, right? Mm-hmm. But if I set them aside, um, you know, Journey and Foreigner, um, Sticks. I just saw a cover band with that played all yeah. in Kansas. Those four bands. Um, and my wife it was actually with her work. It was their Christmas party, and that was part of the Christmas party, and they had a few extra tickets. And the, she was like, oh, yeah, my husband would be all over mm-hmm. this. So, like, every song, you knew every song. And um, it's just those that elicit those memories of, of high school, you know, again, those – because, again, that's something I think that has changed. It might be coming back a little bit, but it's not the same as, again, the vintage we were. After every home basketball game, there was a dance after every home game, at least in Wisconsin, it was that way. Okay. We had we had dances after almost every home basketball game. So, you know, I can still vividly remember standing in it was the elementary school gym across the street at that time is where they set up and, you know, those songs being Fine. on and, um, you know, and then it crossed over into your MC Hammers and Vanilla Ices yes. I and mean, those are really bands. But yeah, I still wish I had my parachute pants, you know, and those kinds of things. Parachute so. pants. The perm, I think we're getting. Yeah, we're you're getting, getting a vision. Here. You're getting yeah. a vision here. Yes, yeah, and uh, um, but those, I think those classic mm-hmm. rock bands really are are some of my some of my favorites. But um, 
yeah, any you know some of the individual ones though, like is the MC Hammers, Vanilla Ices. The I can remember buying those CDs on a school trip. I think it would have been my junior year, senior year of high school. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Last question. Yeah. Nate Daney has to be on a reality TV show. What are you on? So now you've opened up a little bit of a Pandora's box. Oh, okay. So um, so I'm a huge reality TV show fan. When a, a number of years ago, I always wanted to be on Dance Moms because <laughs> my daughter was in dance and they didn't have like a dance. Even if they did a show Dance Dads, I would have loved to have been on that. So that was one of my favorites. The other one, too, and again, it was around that same vintage and she was little Toddlers and Tierras. That was another one. One of my all-time favorite shows, Toddlers and Tierras. And, of course, the spinoff Honey Boo Boo yes. that came as a result of it. So, um, so. Old school, it would be those things. I would love to see you have a conversation with Abby Lee Miller from the dance. Oh, I would love oh, it. That Sa- would have been great. Save the tears for your pillow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. But now, um, you know, now the ones that I watch the most are, um, like, Deadliest Catch. I like Deadliest Catch. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've always thought, could I handle a, a, a tour out there in that bearing seat? I don't know if I could or not. I was a little bit, like, guilty pleasure. I was a Jersey Shore fan for a while um, just because I thought the personalities were over the top. I think they're all crazy and hope my children never, ever, ever turn out like any of them. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I love reality TV shows. One would expect, like, oh, Survivor, this or that. I watched Survivor for a bit. That was fine. Um, thank God I wouldn't have to do anything like The Bachelor or Bachelorette. <laughs> you know, I watched those for a little bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I love reality TV shows. What about you for the band and for the reality TV show? Oh. Bands? Uh, Def Leppard. I got to go Def oh, yeah. Leppard or Bon Jovi. Yeah, they're yep, good, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I love my 80s music. And if I had, if there's no one riding with me in the car, yeah. I got an 80s playlist yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reality TV show, I am a fan of lots of reality tv shows for all the reasons that you said part of it is you can just like let the rest of the world like fade away and you can get into these crazy ridiculous things that are going on and and you can kind of escape your your own problems for a little while but i have always wanted to be on survivor i have watched every season really i have i always want to apply like i always get excited i'm gonna i'm gonna apply this time yeah i haven't yet yeah. but um but brett amundsen did say he would help me with my video if i decide <laughs> i'm ever going to apply so yeah. yeah survivor would be the one i would actually want to be on it's crazy some of the some of the ones that you know survivor i think was always but then they had to turn it into like naked and afraid you know what i mean yeah like, that's just like the like i don't know it's like it, it's not bad enough that you're eating grubs and living out <laughs> exactly. but you know then you gotta be naked on top like it doesn't make any sense to me um, we, the other one too we've been watching recently is Life Below Zero, so that's about mm-hmm. yeah, the subsistence uh, living folks up in Alaska, and I just find yeah. that amazing. Like, I, I don't. It, it makes you really take inventory, like all the stuff you have. <laughs> like right? they're just happy with being around their family yeah. and being connected. Like it's just so cool to me. But it, it's yeah. fun to to sort of look into those lifestyles that you know you'll never have yeah. but just to to kind of look at that and think of what it, how different that is from from what we do every day is yeah. fascinating that's I right think. yeah that's right mm-hmm. it's just this is awesome like <laughs> you know to know that we can talk reality tv oh, shows yes. and you know all the characters i, on, I do on dance moms and mm-hmm. like i said toddlers and tiaras i remember stumbling on that just a long time ago but thinking oh my gosh like i couldn't get enough like every week it would be a new crazy personality which is so much did fun, you so. watch have you ever watched it's i don't remember the name of it but it's um little kids 
football in Texas. What's it called? Uh, Friday Night Tikes. Yes. yes. Have you watch that? Insane. Yes. Insane. So everybody listening in, you got to look up these shows and watch. <laughs> if you want to be appalled by bad youth coaching, yes. Friday Night Tikes yes. is definitely the show to watch for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's I, As a football player, as somebody who coached youth yeah. sports, I was coaching middle school football at that time, and I was thinking, like, how in the world do they get away with it? And as parents, how do you allow that to happen? But I think I, – my feeling is I think a lot of these parents think these kids are going to end up – like, that's their path to the NFL. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they allow it to happen. But the mental – you know, the mental – um, tax that that puts on those students. Have, these young people have to be amazing. So, they should yeah. do like a twenty year follow up yes. with those, yes. those kiddos to yep. see you know yep. what what was the trajectory of their life yep. after our, yep. being on that show. Yeah, yeah. Lately, I've been watching. It's not reality TV anymore. Although I guess it is reality, but a lot of these three part like kind of murder mystery or murder like dateline mm-hmm. type of shows on netflix right now um killer sally she was a bodybuilder and her husband was one i just watched that so you know anything like that just stuff that can kind of yeah. take your mind away from i just watched a three-part series on woodstock 99 which again Ooh. is like oh my gosh the it was it's called train wreck um, <laughs> but it, it, and it's and it was awful like the stuff that went on there and um, yeah, it was. It's it's amazing though to see what happens behind the scenes um, mm-hmm. and things. So, gosh, this is. I can't believe that. I I, I and there's reason. Like you, <laughs> you can get a sense for a person's ethos and soul, and there was a connection. I think very early on, and I, now it's all yes. becoming clear. Reality so awesome. TV and all 80s music, exactly. <laughs> and and great here for me at the time. For me at the time. So. Well, Brenda, thanks for being here. I want to thank you for the work that you do at the school is so great for us from an enrollment student success standpoint. You've always been a great partner with the work that we're doing. I think just really creatively thinking and, and working with your schools to give such a great product. And again, you know, for students and others that are listening out there, you know, for areas in, in education, business and leadership, I don't know if you can find a better place and certainly led by a fantastic individual. So thanks for all you do. And thanks for being here today. Well, thanks, Nate, for having me. And this was a delight. I we'll, we'll do it again, maybe without the microphone. That and, might and, be great, yeah. too. And at our next dinner party <laughs> exactly. that we end up at, that would be awesome. Yes, we so. can go down Go down the reality TV show lane. So thanks so much. This was fun to spend some time with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. So that's your hour from Tower Podcast this week. We'll be back next week with a new episode.